Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast, brought to you by Below the Line. My name is David Duggan, and I am part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark on the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well, perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question, what do the words live well, perform better mean to you? This question is a way into exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries and disciplines, what are the practices, techniques, habits or ideas that they use to help them to show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives, whether that's as CEOs, leaders or managers, or as parents, family members or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of this knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by another very special guest, Sheila Marshall. Sheila is a woman of many talents and disciplines, a mother, business owner, chartered accountant, and personal insolvency practitioner, who very kindly took time out of her busy schedule to talk to me about her personal and professional journey and what it has taught her along the way. Training as an accountant, she initially worked in industry in the UK before setting up her own business and building it into a successful and thriving practice, before a life-changing event forced her to change direction and countries as she settled back in Ireland and put her career ambitions on the back burner for 10 years. Picking up from where she left off a few years ago, Sheila has since gone on to found another business, Firm Advice, specialising in helping people to manage and resolve debt and insolvency issues. For Sheila, helping people in financial difficulty is as much about supporting people in coming to terms with things like loss and failure, as well as removing the stigma of looking for help and taking the first steps towards change, which, as she puts it herself, is all about helping people to look back in at their situation instead of just being in it. This was an inspiring conversation with someone passionate about helping people to understand not just how money works, but how their emotions to it work too so that they can overcome their fears and insecurities about what for many of us can be a mysterious and intimidating commodity. Please subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as our exclusive online events and sessions including our Press Pause coaching community and our story coaching programs. This episode is the final one in what has been our second season of the Live Well Perform Better podcast. Thank you so much for listening so far this year. We really appreciate all the feedback we've gotten and we'll be back in the autumn with season three which will feature many more great guests ready to share their stories and insights with us. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and we hope you have a great summer. Yeah, tell me, why do you do what you do, Sheila? So um, I'm based in Cashley County, Perry. My company is Firm Advice and Firm Advice was born in 2013, and I specialize in forensic accounting and personal insolvency. So how did I get here is the question. And I suppose my career started back in a um, long time ago. I actually started out in Cashel, grew up here, 
went to UCD, did my BCom, graduated, and then qualified as a chartered accountant with Price Waterhouse. It was the 80s, so we had the recession in Ireland. So along with all my peers, we left Ireland to various parts of the world. We were the diaspora. And um, we ended up, I'd say 90% of my class ended up in the UK somewhere. And I settled in Oxford. And I, my first job was in corporate with the Unipart Group, which was part of Austin Rover. Back then, Oxford was famous for the Austin Rover car. And it was a great experience coming out of um, Ireland at that time. Ireland was in a deep recession. Um, and, you know, overnight, sort of my salary had doubled. You know, I had a company car. I was on the crest of a wave. And um, I then moved from there to another company, which was another big company called Dun & Bradstreet, which as part of that was Nielsen Market Research. I was the financial accountant over first accountant the company had, even though it had 700 employees. It was mad at the time. I was taking computers out of boxes to get them going and um, really great time in my life. I have to say I really was growing as a person, having qualified as an accountant and growing in my career as well and in another environment, like in another country. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and But there was always a burning desire for me. I don't know, I had one boss who wasn't inspirational. And maybe he was my blessing because um, as I looked at him, I never wanted to become like that. So I kind of had the itch to be self-employed. Um, so I never took an easy route really because I was in England. I was now in industry, not in practice, but I wanted to set up an accountancy practice. So I was kind of like going in the opposite direction, like swimming against the tide. But anyway, um, I did that and started out in my front bedroom. I was supposed to do it with a colleague. It was an idea two of us had, um, but he jumped ship as we were about to embark on it. But I kept going and I suppose that was my own determination and, you know, not to sort of um, give up at that time. And I had always this vision of having my own office with my own, I don't know what it was, my own chair. I don't know why that was important to me, but it was just a vision. And I suppose, you know, we talk about making vision boards, but sometimes we have them inherently anyway, I think. And it's whether we actually go with it. Anyway, I set that up and in the meantime, there was a strong Irish community in Oxford and I became very much part of that. Um, and it was really great time to integrate with that community. There were fantastic people who had sort of made a life for themselves away. They had left Ireland at worse times than I had left Ireland. And as was, we shared a lot of common interests and grew a great society and it grew my business. I got a lot of my business from that. So it was like the network that I created. Um, and it all kind of happened in a very sort of passive way. It wasn't that I was sort of like spending a lot of time at night thinking, how will I do this? You know, doors just opened for me and it was nice. And I suppose, you know, fell in love at the same time, got married and then Oxford became my home and I had the business there. And then life happens then we know we're sent curved balls our life doesn't go in a straight line and one of my children I have four children got sick and I gave up my job and decided that because that was a real turning point I really knew I wanted to be back in Ireland then and that was a big decision I had that itch always maybe before Jack got ill but um that sort of catapulted me into realizing where I needed to be and um, came back to Ireland and I was out, of, I didn't work then for about 10 years. So in 2013 or 
as I was out of work in Ireland, as you know, I became a full-time mother and I was listening to, I've come back again during the next recession in Ireland. So I never saw the Celtic Tiger because I came back in 2005, six, and of course, 2008 was the big crash. And I was hearing stories on the radio about people in debt. And there's something just pulled me towards the stories and the, what it was causing in families. And I volunteered with Citizens Advice Bureau here locally, and people were coming in with dreadful stories. And literally all we could do was listen. There was no solution because, you know, nobody was listening to the, nobody, the banks weren't at the position where it was new for everybody. It was nobody's fault, but there was no system or mechanism to help those people. And out of that, at that stage, you know, the IMF were coming in and Ireland had no insolvency legislation. And we had, and, and that, and there was born the Personal Insolvency Act of 2012. So I upskilled and did a certificate in personal insolvency, did a mediation course. And also I had done the forensic accounting course previously during my career break. So I had a great skill set for this job and I was then authorized as a personal insolvency practitioner in 2000 and late 2013. And I had tried other options when I was returning to work at that stage. I, I had given my CV, but as a woman who had been out of work for 10 years, there was very little hope for me in getting a job. I didn't fit in anywhere. I was too qualified for a lot of jobs and underqualified for a lot of jobs. So and because I've been self-employed in the UK, I suppose I still had confidence about going down the self-employment route. It wasn't my first time doing it, although this was the first time in Ireland. Um, but also it was a completely new business. So as I say, that's how Firm Advice was born. And that's where I am still in today. So I'm here now, work trading sort of going into my eighth year. Wow, what a story. Congratulations. <laughs> um, what is that? What has that taught you about life? You mentioned curveballs, so um, it sounds to me like you've had you've had a few thrown at you. So, what's been some of your reflections on that? Um, I suppose we have to be flexible, and I think self-reflective. At that time, before we moved back to Ireland, there was a turning point. This is ever before um, the curveball of of my child, but. As a parent, I think you go through different phases of your life from single life to marriage to parenthood, and we take on lots of responsibilities and roles. And then we're pushed and we're pushed with our career, our finances, our children, you know. And I always had that tug of war going on within me, trying to find sort of some equilibrium. And at one, there was one stage where I had, there was a few things outside of me didn't influence me or didn't affect me personally but had friends who had suffered family bereavements and they all came at once like within a month there was three people around me who were suffering and I remember it really affected me personally even though they didn't directly affect me and I had a meeting one day in, a, in my office with a guy about pensions and when he came in first of all I'd forgotten I had the meeting because I was so distracted with everything else that was going on and I just looked at him and I said, I've, looked, I've forgotten about this meeting. I said, I really don't want to talk about pensions today. And he said, put on your coat. Now, I'd never met this guy before. He said, put on your coat and we'll go for a cup of coffee. And that cup of coffee lasted two hours. And it was like he was my, he became my counsellor. I told him my life story in an hour. And he told me the first, my, so my self-help self book was what he recommended. And it was Stephen Covey's book of um, First Things First. And it was, you know, that lovely, say, he, he was famous for to live, to love, to learn and leave a legacy. 
And that's been my mantra. Since then, I've always gone back to that basic thing. And it opened up my mind to the whole four dimensions that we have of, you know, to live is the physical, to love is our emotion, you know, to live to, and to learn is our mental and then to leave a legacy is our spiritual. And I suppose that's the four things that we're constantly pulled between. But I wasn't aware. I hadn't been compartmentalized like that for myself at that stage of my life. And so I was trying to do, you know, I was doing the physical and I was doing a bit of this and I was doing a bit of that, but I wasn't bringing the core together. The thread wasn't forming for me. And, you know, obviously being a mother, even then when you were trying to work, when you were, you know, when you didn't know which one you were doing good or bad, basically, and you were doing a bit of everything. And I suppose that's what led me at one stage to realize that I had a choice here. You know, what was I going to do with my life? And I suppose that's the reflection of when a curved ball is thrown at you. You have to sit back and see what your responsibilities are, what choices you are have. And we have choices. We don't have to, you know, stay in a position or stay in a situation if we as you, you know, said initially, you know, bring that awareness to your own life as to what you really want to do or where you're going. So I'd say that's what the curveballs taught me was to try and bring that four dimensions into it. Keep ground, you know, bring always keep them with you and keep grounded so that um, you can see the wood for the trees to make the proper choices. And it also sounds to me that firm advice it's almost a coming together of those four things in a way. Or am I right about that? Or Well, when I was going back to work, um, I was very much of the mindset that I didn't want to go back and do what I'd already done in the UK. Like, don't get me wrong, I do some of that still, but I didn't, I didn't want it to be my main focus. And I wanted something that I felt more passionate about or that had more meaning for me. And when I saw, you know, I work mainly with people who are in arrears of their mortgages or who have had historic debt, you know, we call it legacy debt from the recession, where it be it an investment property or a project that had gone wrong. And I see how it holds them back and how it paralyzes them. And if I can give them a solution. Now, the solution isn't painless and I'm not sure quoting it, but it is a means to an end. And it has brought that empathy and compassion and, you know, emotional side to the sort of professional side of my life. And that was important to me. Um, you know, even in the UK, the, the Irish connection was important to me. It's not just about the job and it's finding that sort of sweet spot where you can do the job, but do it in an environment that creates a sort of feel good factor. And, uh, you know, as I've gotten to know you over the last say year or so, um, I know that this is something that you're really passionate about, which is this idea of of the relationship that we have with with money and, and debt and all that type of stuff. Can you just talk to me about what what really strikes you, what you've really learned about that through the work that you do? Well, it's again, what I've learned is my main learning, and this would only be recent, was initially when I set out, it was like, great, we have this solution because of the Personal Solvency Act. There's a beginning and an end. There's a procedure to follow. And I can bring people through that procedure and process to get a result. But what I, had to, what I have realized is that all of these people have a story as to what has happened in their lives. And to them, that's the most important thing. And they have told this story maybe a lot of times to people and it's not gone anywhere for them. 
So by the time they get to me, they may be, you know, cynical, they may be disbelieving, they have carried a lot of baggage and they're very, they can be very negative towards the creditor, you know, um, and it's that story, I think. My process doesn't solve that for them. My process will give them a financial solution, but it doesn't give them the kind of that what we talk about um, change in the sense of will I have changed? I may have changed their situation, but will I have changed their mindset? Will I have changed that this will never happen again? And I suppose that's the area that I'd like to delve into more now as I'm in this business the psychology of what, like debt is a thing that we all, it's part of our life, it's part of society. You know, I'm not here to change the government or change our, our politics or how our country is run. It's a fact of life. We have just, just debt as people, we have to borrow money to buy a house, we have to borrow money to buy for businesses. And I suppose it's the education behind that debt that people, people have a, people have an idea that they want to do something and it's, it's educating them before they get to draw down that loan rather than it being just uh, a thing they do because they need it now um, to fulfill something in the future. But may not be explaining that completely helpful in a sort of knowledgeable way in the sense of um, it's, it's the reason people go initially to get that loan and what happened, especially during 2000, prior to 2008, where they were led a lot of times. That's what I'm trying to say. They were led to borrow more than they should have. And there was no education around it as to the consequences or building in what I just talked about happened in my own life, an illness or that curveball that's going to come into your life. And... But then also, David, it's saying that even if this does happen to you, it's the shame that's attached to it then prevents people from taking the next step for getting help. So they, they then go through, there's an awful lot of work that needs to be done to release them from that blame and shame. And again, my process doesn't particularly deal with all of that. So there's a huge psychology effect that's, and I am learning that more as I do more proposals because I get to know the people better and I see more examples and I see a pattern sometimes. So, um, as I say, it's part of our world that people will be in debt, but I do, I firmly believe everybody should be given a second chance. And, and I mean that fairly, I'm not at all condoning people who are going in debt and sort of running away from their responsibilities. But as a society, we need to help people in that situation, because it can be caused from a numerous for numerous reasons that are beyond their control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing you say, which is fascinating, is we have a strange we seem to have a strange relationship with money that we're not terribly clear about it, and it drives us to do certain things. And it sounds to me like you're just you're always you're you're questioning now the behaviour that underpins people taking on debt or making financial decisions. And it sounds to me like you're trying to help people be more clear-eyed about that. Is that right? Yes, well, it's the habits. It's our beliefs and our habits again. And there's no help out there currently for people in debt to have a forum to even share their experience because it's so shameful. 
so you know we can all set up a Facebook group to share different experiences and we're getting better at that we are getting better at it but debt seems to be something that people are very secretive about and even as a as a person solvency practitioner if I help somebody get a solution they're not going to go and tell their friend oh go to Sheila Marshall and um, we're breaking down some of those barriers now by going more public on some of the arrangements because this is a court driven system a lot of the arrangements if they go to court they shouldn't go to court by right because it should all be agreed at the creditors meeting but if it isn't if there is a, a system where we can go to court and if we go to court those arrangements are often publicized which there's good and bad to that I believe because some people can misinterpret the reading of it and say oh they got away with debt and sometimes that can be seen especially if it's a celebrity but the main thing for me is by going public it allows people to start sharing their story and not feel like if so-and-so can be in debt it's not so bad if I'm in debt so I like the fact that it can be public because the more we talk about it the more people can get help and um, like I'm often the last point of call and it's probably sometimes the day before they go into court they hear about us so there's a lot of education that has to go on for people to know that there is help out there and who to where to find it and that at least it definitely is taking them further than where I was taking them when I met them in Citizens Advice and there was no person Sovereignty Act, but there is more to be done. I suppose that's my message. There's more to be done here. Um, and we're getting solutions, but we're still not getting enough because there's not enough of us because the business is difficult in the sense of the skill set you need and the difficulties that it presents regarding the debtor and then trying to um you know link that in with the creditors our strap line is live well perform better and i'd love to know um just what does this mean to you and um, just based on your own opinion your own perspective so i suppose we all want to do that live well and perform better and i i i would say i'm doing that best in my last 10 years and that's again if something happens in your life that gives you that wake-up call and I going back to that story where I met that guy he called it that day he, when I met him that day and I was only telling him about that other experience of mine with the three people and he said Sheila your call is a wake-up call and you start looking in your bottle and you see what you put into the you know this whole thing about the bottle that we fill with the sand you know and eventually you've got the bottle and it may not be filled with the right things at the right time and I was a bit like that I was upside down at that time like I had the house I had the job I had this but I really wanted to be in Ireland do you know what I mean so I you know and he, he was trying to, and it was a really helpful conversation with a stranger so living well I suppose it's getting that bottle if we can in the right order and how do we do that I you know it's back to those four pillars is trying to you know have a physical dimension to our life you know I as I said I always did something physical but what has really come to me recently is the meditation and the silence and the calm. I think it's bringing that into our lives when we're in our thirties and our forties. We're so busy, busy, busy. That word which I dislike, um, but it's it, by bringing calm and quietness into our lives, we get to know ourselves better. And I think that's when you start living well. It's looking at what you're bringing to the table, and I mean what you bring to the table by going back to when you were three. I'm not talking about 
thinking, oh, sure, I'm fine, sure, I'm well, I'm healthy, I'm turning in, I'm eating okay. It's actually really discovering what you bring into the table rather than looking at what other people are bringing to the table. And it's like a bit of a cliche because when that used to be said to me, say, even before 10 years ago, I was kind of like, oh, what do they mean by that? And I was just kind of skeptical. And But the more I've delved into it and the more it's, it's, it's not one thing, I suppose. You know, I started off with that book, but I developed into other books like the Louise Hay book. You know, I've, you know, I, Susan Jeffers, I read her. Um, you know, I've read a lot of those self-help books and the more I did, the more I did it, every day you get another nugget. So it's the investment. I think that investment in yourself allows you to live well and then perform better. And in the olden days, I, this came to me actually today thinking about this was, I remember when we were young and somebody go for a drive to the country, you know, that was our day out. And there was this saying, David, of, oh, you know, it'll take you out of yourself. And I never knew what my parents were talking about. You know, it'll take, oh, sure, if you go for a drive. And, and meditation for me does that. It takes me out of myself. And it expands you into sort of another kind of, not universe, but another sort of dimension of not, maybe not taking it all so seriously sometimes too. And yes, you have problems. Yes, you have curveballs. Yes, they're there. We're not denying they're not, they're there. And we're not running away from them, but you're dealing them in a definitely more awareness of an acceptance. And, you know, I had, there was that three thing, awareness, acceptance, change. They're my other three mantras. You know, so if you become aware of it, do you accept it? And if you do, that's fine. But if you're not, then do something about it, but don't just go around in circles with it. You've already alluded to some of this stuff, uh, reading and uh, meditation, but are there practices, habits, behaviors that you engage in on a daily, weekly basis that just help you? show up yeah definitely now definitely now every morning before i do any you know i get up early six o'clock and i would always do a meditation i have my own app um it's a it's a it's, a, it's not my own app it's an app but it's a it's called commune and it's they're a fabulous outfit i'm not recommending them particularly but they help me there's loads of them out there um and i always do a yoga for half an hour, I do a meditation. Some weeks I do short ones, some weeks I do long ones, but there's such a variety of them. It depends on my mood or how I'm feeling. Am I, look, am I looking for love? Am I looking to look forgive somebody? Am I looking to whatever? Um, I walk my dog. So I don't go to work now until 10 o'clock. I do not start work until 10 o'clock. And those hours that I spend before I go to work, to me, make me perform better. And if I don't do them, I feel a heaviness. So it's like I claim the day before it's claimed on me. So they, that really works for me. Um, and in the evenings then I would often go like just there up to Easter. We had decided to do a walk around here, which is called the St. Declan's Walk. And it was over three weekends and it was like one of the pilgrim paths. And so, you know, I was walking in the evening extra to build up those, you know, so it's having some sort of focus. You know, it doesn't have to be a triathlon, but you know, I think if you have some sort of thing that you're looking to do, it focuses you on getting the steps in. And um, I also love, I started, don't do it enough, but I started trying to go to the beach and swim. I did more of it in the winter, actually, than I'm actually doing now when it's milder because of just circumstances. But 
and that really was where I felt the best, the freest. I think it's just the whole body needing to look after itself in the cold water that the mind goes into blank and it's a happy place. Yes, that's what I hear. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. All right. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and again, just from your own perspective, um, and certainly maybe with your financial advisor hat on as well, I'm sure this will come into it. But what are the main performance or business challenges that you're you're just coming across or you see people facing right now? Um, well, from the debt perspective, that doesn't change really, David, whether it's now. Obviously, with COVID, we're expecting a lot more people to be in trouble unfortunately but fortunately there's help for them and I suppose that's if anyone's listening here I really want to reiterate that and um, that there is help and they should seek out MABS or a PIP so debt is going to be always part of our lives when I set up this business people said to me why are you setting this up sure this is all going to be over in two years sure there won't be any need for insolvency and it's just the complete opposite you know you don't have the bank manager now where you know knows Joe or John who took out the loan that you can go to and sort of it's just gone beyond that and you need to have a facility and that's there and um, on the other side of it I suppose just I see a lot of stress I see a lot of busyness I think the work-life balance is not there um, especially for business owners now I'm not talking about employees who I think COVID has maybe helped a lot because it's created that sort of um, working from home and all of those, but that's brought a lot of stress, I think, for business owners. They're having to, you know, incorporate a lot more around the human resource element um, and satisfy employees. And also look at everybody found things that they loved doing during COVID that they had forgotten how to do or they'd left them out of their lives and now they want to incorporate. So business owners, I think themselves are trying to find that balance but trying to find the commercial balance that you're still running a business and you have responsibilities there and then trying to have the, you know, it's calling on your resilience and stuff. And staff, staff is really important in the sense of trying to find the right, every business I go to, they're short of staff and that's a big challenge for them currently. Um, and we all know that if you have the right people, like that's the sweet spot like recruitment is huge for small businesses um and getting the right people into your business so i'd say there there the stress is really it's their own work-life balance and having the right team around them because if they have the right team they'll have a better balance themselves but there's still a lot of business owners are still doing a lot of it themselves yeah yeah absolutely um, and just returning back to what you were discussing earlier at the start of this conversation around um if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, you're just my sense is you're increasingly drawn to trying to help people understand what's driving their decisions and trying to break patterns of behavior. Do you see that informing what you do now or taking that to a different place or what, what's your thoughts on that? Yes, I do. Um, and it's not even just people in debt, it's business owners, too. It's actually helping them. Um, to know what do they want? What do you want here? Because if you know what you want, you will have some sort of um, focus. Um, but often a business can take you over and engulf you and you create this monster rather than you running it. But 
so I think business owners need a lot of help in that sense. Like how many of us set up a business when we were in our 30s and took time out to actually look at all of those things. We were driven by a completely different thing. Oh, I just want to do this. I'm an accountant. So I want to set up a business serving, you know, this customer, but not looking at all the sort of myriad of other things that may are necessary in helping you to do that and be be good be a good leader or whatever. Um, because I've done so much work on myself now, I'm as, not as naive as I was, I suppose it's growing up of knowing that to change people is difficult. And that, you know, just because I put a set of procedures in front of them, they're not going to go, oh, Eureka, it's a light switch moment. I'm with you, Sheila, I'll do this. I now know how much I'm, now know how much work it is. And to be, you know, com like we're all, compassionate with these people but be compassionate in a helpful way in a way of really understanding because people get attached to their story as well and for I have to remember that death for them if it's been 10 years or 15 years I'm not going to change that in a, ten, in a one hour meeting because that's been a huge part of their lives and even if I tell them I can remedy it the memory and the pain and the suffering that's brought to them isn't gone away and so, and I find therefore that even though I may have got a great solution, there's still anger and resentment. Because in a way, even though now I've got the solution, they're thinking, why couldn't I have got this 10 years ago? So, you know, and then, so I'm not always going to get the clap on the back or the thank you that I may thought I was going to get and that's fine don't get me wrong I'm not only looking for that but it's it's just an awareness of the whole business as to how um challenging it is because of what's going on for people and that is similar when people set up businesses what's driving them what's their story why are they working 12 hours a day why are they working 16 hours a day you know, why are they running to the meeting, eating their sandwich in the car? Do they think that's going to benefit them in the long run? When they start getting sick, making the connection between what they're doing and why they're sick. Because another line that's not, you know, people say to me, gee, I feel this today and I don't know why. And I'm looking at them like, you really, you know, it's not being, it's not being patronizing or anything. It's just that they haven't had the time to take out of their lives to work on themselves and actually really look back in at it rather than be in it. When you're dealing with clients now, it sounds to me like that greater awareness is probably helping you to help them more effectively. Is that, that the case? Yes, yes, but some are open. It's, it's, it's intermingling that with my professional. They're coming to me as an accountant, first of all, or as a person of self-expectation. It's for me to find a way of intermingling my own learning from what, how I, the deep delve I've done in myself and encourage that learning for them, to, for the benefit of it. And that it's not all about the outcome. It's about today, you know, it's like, it's actually having a good day today and not racing ahead of yourself. And that's a very hard, I, re, I now know the work it takes to get there. It's not one course, it's not one book, 
It's not one yoga session. It's repetitive work where you begin to feel inwardly the benefit. And you work from the inside out rather than the outside. We were working from the outside in, you know, if I do the exercise, if I do this. But there has to be a different sort of, you're coming at it from a different angle yourself. You're coming at it from a more compassionate angle for yourself. It's not so I can do more. We were doing it before maybe that we could do more. You know? So it's actually so that we can less effort and more output. Yeah. Yeah. That's the name of the game. All right. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned I was talking to you on an interesting day or a, what, do you want to tell me what that is? We weave that into the conversation here or. Well, yeah, the, my interesting day really is that this COVID is over basically from my perspective, like it finished fair enough in January, but in the sense of COVID in a way gave me that press pause because our industry really did close down um, from a person, you know, basically the banks gave people breaks, the courts closed. Yes, it was still alive, but it was slower. And it gave me, you know, they obviously don't look at, I've always been struggling in this business as I've made always people aware financially, it's not lucrative for the amount of work and effort I put into it, although I've been drawn to it so much passionately myself. Um, and I've, you know, I've seen it as a failure, particularly, you know, myself as an accountant, I'm like, why can't I make this work? Asking myself all those questions and looking at other pips and saying, how can they make it work? And I can't make it work. And that's the comparison that we shouldn't do because I'm coming to this from a completely different background than a lot of other people. Like I was out of work. I had no, you know, I, was, I wasn't in, a lot of people set it up from being in a practice or whatever. So I got to this stage of saying, I don't need to know why other people are making it work anymore. I don't need any of that. I just need to, you know, it's fine to look outside yourself and see that, but also the fail, you know, failures we to analyze what we've done wrong and then learn from them. But it doesn't mean we keep repeating them or tell, think that there always is a correction. Sometimes it's just telling us this isn't working. That's fine. So, and that whole area that I want to go into, you know, that I've talked about the psychology of it. So, that's where I want to put my emphasis now because there's no one else doing that side of this business. There's not, you know, even in my own world as a person, so as a practitioner, there's only about 30 of us that are functioning properly, you know, in the business because it is so difficult, the nature of the business model. And I put a lot of work during COVID into that because I'm the sort of person that can let something go once I fully understand it or fully understand it to the, to the sense of saying, I don't know anymore, but I've, I've explored it as much as I can. Um, and so it's kind of using your intuition and your knowledge. Sometimes we work off one or the other, you know, the heart rules the head or the head rules the heart. And so I'm at a stage now where, you know, before, when I set this up, it was complete, in, it was complete sort of the heart, not the head, because if the head had been involved, maybe it would have stopped me completely. But I'm not, I'm, I'm more, I, when anything I've done, even in the UK, when I set up and I knew nobody, I wasn't ever really focused on the outcome. It was always getting there because that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that every day you have to be focused because, you're kind of on high alert when you're self-employed because you have to keep working out what's going on. And it, I got so used to that, not to be like that, I'd be bored. It's kind of part of my own being now. But there is a stage when you have to say, you know, like this particular, like that, not in the UK, but here, because it's not working financially, the bit of it that I'm trying to do and deliver to people. 
Um, and I've, you know, explored currently now I'm bringing somebody else in to train them as a PIP because that's, I find that me on my own as a PIP is not going to work. I need another person to share it with and to share the ideas with. And it's too isolating and the decisions are too big to be making on your own and to carry because you're doing, this work is quite um, high, pro, high, you know, impact. So that's one thing I'm doing, but then I'm also taking a day a week now to develop a model on the psychology, on this, not psych, psychology of debt, but to help people in debt deal with background, deal with that whole area in their lives. Because I think then it's not just the, it's not just the court solution, it's the solution for their own well-being I'm interested in. Amazing. Congratulations. And uh, I wish you all the best with that. That sounds really exciting. You must be, uh, you must be really looking forward to it. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm, I'm not, what's the word? Um, I'm, I'm excited now because of COVID. I have space to do this I've, because I, I have been able to, be have the business in such a stage now that I'm not burdened I'm not overburdened when you have a lot of work in the background it's hard to have space in your head to develop new creative ideas so you have to give yourself that space where you can do it then fantastic fantastic amazing and then I'll just ask you my final question which is um, what's what's the one piece of advice you would give to anyone looking to live well and perform better again from your from your own perspective and your own I guess Work life experience on yourself work on yourself that's it that's it simple brilliant listen sheila we'll draw to a close there but thank you very very much for Hope giving me your time sense. and sharing me oh yeah and thanks for sharing your your life experience your business experience um there's going to be definitely loads of stuff in here for people anyone listening into this so thanks a million mm-hmm.